All right. Let's talk about growing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? What? Amen? Listen, I listened to you sing back there, so I know you can talk. No, no point in getting quiet now. All right? So let's, let's talk about this. Um, we're going to talk about the soil. So I, I don't remember if I asked this last week or not, but how many of you are like, you like growing things? You're, you have a green thumb. And how many of you have tried and you, you're terrible at it? Okay. Yeah. It's probably because you don't know anything about it, right? Uh, listen, there's a lot to know about growing stuff, right? I mean, when you start, when you start looking at the idea of taking something and producing something, there's a lot of factors that go into it. Last week we talked about the pot, right? We talked about this vessel that we have been given by God and its value to the process, right? Irregardless of what somebody may have said about you, about that pot, that container, right? The lack of value that they've created in it, the way that they've used it, abused it, taken advantage of it, hurt it. Listen, irrespective of that, God placed value in every one of us, knit us together in our mother's womb, created us wonderfully and fearfully in his image. And it's in this vessel that God ultimately will take his place and live inside of us. It matters. Matters about this vessel. Amen, church? And listen, that's all that's a hard thing for lots of people to overcome considering what they've been through, the way that their life has been, the way that their life has been, the way that parents have treated them or the way that other people have treated them. I mean, when your when your life and your vessel becomes the object of scorn and ridicule and abuse and neglect and a lack of affirmation and the compromise of your value, listen, that's a hard thing to overcome. It's a very difficult thing to overcome. And our society has not helped in any way, shape, or form, right? Satan has no interest in you, right? And we live in a world today that everything in it is the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And so the world itself also caters to making sure that if your vessel doesn't look a certain way, right? If it doesn't wear clothes a certain way, if it's not, if it's not poised and pictured a certain way, then you're an abject failure, right? We live in a world where there's all kinds of pressure from out and all kinds of pressure from within for people to feel okay about this pot or this container, right? That God has going to grow this relationship in. And so it is a challenge for some, but it starts there. But today we get to the real heart of the matter. When it comes to growing anything, what you plant that seed in matters as much as anything. Yes or no? Listen, soil is everything. It's everything. Let me just read this to you. This is a couple of quotes I got from people who are smarter about growing things than I ever could. Good soil is rich with nutrients, so plants have an abundant food supply to support healthy development. Unfortunately, many native soils lack essential minerals like nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium, which means plants have trouble reaching their full potential. Here's another quote. Soil is not just soil. Soil is as live as the plants that you will put in them. 
soil is bustling and thriving with organic life. It's rich in organic matter to support life in the soil. So all of our plants flourish. And here's my favorite one. This is by Charles Kellogg, USDA Yearbook of Agriculture. He said this of soil all the way back in 1938. He said this, essentially all life depends on the soil. There can be no life without soil and no soil without life. They have evolved together. They're like that. That's how important soil is, right? Things like nitrogen. This is something that I learned, right? Nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium are apparently important to having a soil balance in minerals that make it worthwhile. But also, soil is made up of organic matter. It's made up of minerals. It's made up of these spores that host air. And it's made up of moisture. Did you know that? Four parts. Anybody know that? Nope. That's why your plants die. All right. And so there's a multitude of things that make up this soil. But at the end of the day, anybody who grows anything knows that the soil matters most. If that soil isn't right and the host isn't right, no matter what you put in it will die. It won't grow. It won't flourish. It won't reach where it happens. And so why does that matter to you? And why does that matter to me? Let's read a couple of verses. I'm going to ask you to stand. Let's read this one in Jeremiah 17. Jeremiah 17. Here's what the prophet says. He says, this is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who depends on flesh for his strength and whose heart turns away from the Lord. He will be like a bush, the person that trusts in men and turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. He will not see prosperity when it comes. He will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. But bless the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream does not fear when he comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. You can have a seat. Blessed is the man whose heart, everybody say the word heart, heart, trust in the Lord, right? Why is, why is soil important to you and me when it comes to growth? Let me read this passage to you. Uh, did I give you, no, I did not give you that. We'll do that later. So let's talk about why soil is the point of what we're talking about today, right? So here, let's talk about this. Soil is the epicenter of growth. Listen to what scripture says in Matthew 13. So we can connect soil to what we're talking about. Jesus telling the parable of the sower, right? The sower went out to sow and some seed fell on hard ground. Some fell on rocky ground, right? Some fell among the thistles and then some fell among the good soil. He explains the parable. And listen to, listen to what he says right at the beginning. Listen then to what the parable of the, of the sower means. He says, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one come and snatches away what was sown in his what? In his heart. This is the seed along the path or the hard soil. Right? It's written this way in Luke chapter 8. 
Luke writes, this is the meaning of parable. Seed is the word of God. So the sower went out to sow, right? He sowed seed along the hard ground, right? Those along the path or the hard ground are the ones who hear the word. And then the devil comes and takes the word from their what? From their heart. And they won't believe and they won't be saved. Here's why soil is important. Because biblically, the Bible connects soil and its relationship to growth to the heart and its relationship to our growth. So when we talk about soil, right? When we talk about all right, the condition of our heart, we're talking about the same thing. Biblically, the analogy is, is that soil is the same figuratively as our heart is. There's the interesting thing about the heart. Cardia is the Greek word for heart, right? In scripture, used over 800 times in the New Testament. Every time that word cardia is used, it's never once in reference to the physical heart or the heartbeat of a human being. Every time it's used over 800 in the New Testament, every time it refers to the figurative epicenter of a human being. And what, what it means, right? What it means is that this heart, this thing that we're calling cardia, and it's used figuratively, we're using it as the epicenter of every desire and every decision of a human being. That's what our heart represents. And everybody track with that? Right? We all, listen, you all know that, right? We all know the power of doing things because our heart told us to, right? I'm just acting on my heart, right? What does my heart really want, right? We know what we mean when we say it. Scripture says that heart, your heart, my heart, in that pot or in that container is the soil in which this thing will grow. It's the epicenter of growth. Scripture confirms this over and over again. I'm just going to read several verses to you here so you get the idea that the soil, your heart and my heart, is the epicenter of God's target. What he's working on, right, what he's working on to grow is he's going to use your heart as a base of operations. The pot, the container, your body, right, your story, right, your physical presence. It's the container in which all of this will take place. Does that make your container important? Yes or no? Of course it does. It tells a story. It has a part of this, right? It's the place that, that roots have to be given space to grow. But inside that pot or that container is soil. And the Bible says our soil is the heart. It is the focal point of which God wants to do his work in. Listen to Matthew 22. Jesus said this, teacher, the question is, teacher, what's the greatest commandment of the law? Jesus replies, love the Lord your God with all your, with all your, right? With all your cardia, with all your heart, right? It's the focal point. It's first. It's love the Lord with all your heart, then your soul, and with all of your mind. Right? There's an order to God. You love God first with all of your what? It's the place. It's the focal point. It's the epicenter of where God wants to do his work. Listen to the prophet Ezekiel in Ezekiel 36. The prophet says this, I will give you a new what? I'm going to give you a new heart and I'm going to put a new spirit in you. I'm going to remove from you your heart of stone and I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. How about Proverbs 3, 1 through 6? The Proverbs, the, the writer says this, my son, don't forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your, not in your pocketbook, not in your Bible, 
right? Not on your dresser, but keep my commands in your heart for they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. He says that love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, right? He says, then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all of your and lean not on your own understanding. Psalm 119, several verses, starting in verse 7, says this, I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. That heart is where God's law gets learned. Listen to verses 10 and 11. The psalmist says this, I will seek you with all of my what? Heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my that I might not sin against you. Verse 36, the psalmist says this, turn my heart toward your statutes and not toward selfish gain. You get the the idea? It's your heart that God wants to do his work in. Somebody say amen. That's the soil in which everything has to grow, right? Which is why growing in Jesus is such a complicated thing. Listen, you can change your appearance. Right? If you, if you just want to change, either with lots of money and a good physician, you can change your appearance. Right? Or with exercise and diet, the right beautician, right? The right kind of concealer and makeup, right kind of clothes, you can change your appearance outside. Yes? Listen, you can change the outside of the pot. It, it can either cost you a lot of money, a lot of time, right? A lot of sweat. But you can change the outside. But changing... To where you can grow as good soil that produces a plant that produces 30, 60, and 100 fold. That's a different work. That's a work that God has to do. Because God's desire is to focus on your heart. That's good news. Right? I don't know about you, but I'm grateful that God's priority is my heart, not my body. Right? I'm grateful that God wants to start with my heart and isn't, is it commanding me to exercise every single day? Anybody else? You know, I'm grateful that I have the choice to go home and eat ice cream if I want to. And God's not going to send me to hell for that, okay? I'm grateful. But I'm also aware how hard it is when God decides he wants to put his hands into the soil. Because like a good gardener, who understands the complexities and the makeup of the soil and the need for the balance of minerals, of nitrogen, of phosphorus, of potassium, and all that goes into making soil, the kind of soil that can produce a good plant. It is very invasive when the gardener sticks the hands in the soil to create in the soil a hospitable place to grow. Yes or no? It's the same way when God does it. And why does he do it? Why does God make the heart the epicenter of his work? Here's the, the verse I want to use, the transition. Listen to Proverbs in Proverbs 4. My son, my daughter, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let my words out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. Right? For those words are life to those who find them and health to a man's whole body. So the whole thing, everything about your container and your vessel is made better when God's words find their way into your what? Into your heart, right? This is an important place 
This is like the real estate agent that says the first three lessons, right, of real estate is location, location, location. It's the same thing with God. The most important thing about God is where does this take place? He says, you find my word, you find life. You keep them in your heart because they will bring life. Bring, bring that verse back up there, would you please? For they are life to those who find them and health to a man's whole body, to his whole being if they're here. And listen to what the proverb writer says. He says in the next verse, above all else. Everybody say those words with me. Above. That means there's nothing else above this. Amen. So above all else, he says this, guard your, for it is the wellspring of life. It is the location where every issue of life comes from. You see, the reason why the epicenter of growth for every person in here, every person listening online is your heart. It's not your bank account. It's not your home. It's not your family, right? It's not even your appearance. Even though physical exercise benefits some, it is the spiritual discipline of God working in here that makes all of the difference. Why? Because the Bible says it is the epicenter of every issue of life. And you better guard it. And here's what's unique about that. The word guard in Hebrew, the word guard in Hebrew means prison, jail. Right? I was, a, I was blessed to be a, a sheriff's deputy for four and a half years when I was back in Illinois. And one of my primary jobs was I was in charge of prisoner transport. And so in Jasper County, if somebody went to trial and was found guilty and was sentenced to prison, not county jail, but to prison, I would be responsible for transporting that person to central intake in central Illinois. I had never been inside. I'd been in a jail cell. I had been arrested and I'd been put in a county jail before, but I'd never been inside a prison, never been inside the walls of a prison. But when I went there for my first prison of transport and I walked into this prison, not a jail, but a prison, the one thing that hammered home in me is this is a place with unbelievable boundaries. And here's what the writer says. The writer of Proverbs says, you put a prison around your heart for out of your heart flow the issues. In the Hebrew, the word issues is boundaries. He says, for out of your heart flow the boundaries, the lines of your life. So here's what he says. You put a boundary around the boundary decision maker because if you don't, those boundaries are going to get out of control, right? You see, here's why the heart is the focal point of what God does in your life is because this little thing right here, it is the thing that sets the boundaries of all decisions of my life, right? Anybody sitting in here, anybody watching online ever made a decision based upon your heart and then years later regretted it, right? Your heart wants some really stupid things, right? Like, listen, how many people go home and eat stupid things and then three hours later like... <sighs> Really wished I hadn't done that, right? How many relationships were built on somebody acting impetuously because their heart said, I want it, I want it, I want it, no matter what the cost is. And then all of a sudden you're like, that was probably a bad decision, right? I probably shouldn't have listened to my heart, right? 
Listen, we know that. And here's why. The proverb writer says the reason the focal point is the heart, it's where all the growth happened, is your heart controls every boundary. So you put a boundary around that boundary so it doesn't get out of way. And there are, listen, Christian or not, there's not very many people that don't understand that concept. Because the heart as the only decision maker of boundaries in your life, makes really dumb decisions. Listen, if you've raised teenage kids, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Why in the world do you think parents spend all their time trying to, to, to corral a teenager? Because here's what they know. Those stupid people are going to make all kinds of decisions based on their heart, aren't they? Right? And how many teenagers make heartfelt decisions at 16 and they end up paying for it the rest of their lives? Anybody? Happens all the time. Parents panic. Because the minute we grow into our heart and our feelings and our emotions, right, we're ready to do anything it says to do, right? This is what I want, right? This is what my heart wants. This will make me happy, right? And we make those decisions and parents are like, oh, please, God, don't do that, right? You'll regret that. Listen to me. I did the same thing, honey. You don't want to do that, right? Why? Because when the boundary maker doesn't have boundaries, those boundaries can get out of control. So the proverb writer says, you better guard your heart. You better guard your heart. You better guard that boundary maker because every boundary of your life, marriage, morally, financially, relationally, every boundary of your life will be set by your heart. Which leads me to the second thing. It's not just the epicenter of growth. It's also the epicenter of sickness. It's the epicenter of sickness. My wife, my mom was a healthy, healthy person. She had one real, my mom was born with a bad lung. When she was born, the, the arteries that controlled blood flow to and from my mom's heart, the arteries in the veins weren't connected. So one of my mom's lungs never grew. This never grew at all. Uh, it was constantly causing her trouble uh, because it, was dead. And so she was sick a lot because of that. As my mom got older, one of the things that they found out with my mom having a lung that didn't work was that my mom's heart had expanded to fill that cage, right? Where the lung would generally sit, the, my mom's heart had expanded. And so as even though my mom was sick a lot from infections because of the dead lung inside of her, the reality was she was incredibly healthy because she had an unbelievably strong heart all the way up to the point that she didn't. And when my mom entered the hospital for the last time dealing with another sickness and another infection, right? It wasn't the infection one of a million she had gotten over her lifetime. It wasn't the infection that caused my mom to lose her life. It was the fact that that final infection made her heart sick. And listen, when a person's heart physically is sick, the rest of that person follows pretty quickly. And here's what scripture says. Your heart needs to be guarded. My heart needs to be guarded because it'll make boundaries that are just really hard to live in. So put a boundary, a prison, a jail, put a guard around your boundary maker, right? Because it's a sick place. Listen to what scripture says. Jeremiah 17, the prophet says this about your heart and mine. The heart, everybody online, everybody here, read this with me. The heart is above all things and Beyond cure. Who can understand it? 
What a terrible epitaph about the thing that God focuses most on growing. Our hearts are deceitful above all things. Deceitful and beyond cure. That makes me feel good about your boundary maker, doesn't it? No wonder we've made some really dumb decisions, right? That sucker's lied to you. That thing's lied to me. Anybody's heart ever lied to them, right? And here's the thing. Not only is a liar, right? It's beyond cure. That's a good thing to possess. And God wants to change it. No wonder this is such a hard thing, right? The, the, the prophet goes on to say, I, the Lord, search the heart. Right? So that deceitful, beyond cure thing that we possess that sets the boundaries of our life, God searches the heart, examines the mind. We're going to get to that connection here, right? To reward a man according to his conduct, according to what his deeds deserve. Listen, the heart is a sick, a sick place. Inside of each person. The boundary maker of your life and mine. Of your spouse's life and, 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 and mine. Of your children's lives. Of your grandchildren's lives. Your neighbors, your friends, your co-workers. Every person's heart that sets boundaries. The Bible says is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Is it any wonder why our world's messed up? Is it any wonder why your home's messed up? Is it any wonder why your marriage struggles or why raising children is hard and why going to a church with 3,000 people is complicated because every person's heart is deceitful above all things and it is beyond cure. It's a sick place. Listen to what scripture says about your heart and mind. Matthew 15 says it this way. Are you still so dull? Jesus asked these people. Don't you see that whatever enters our mouths goes into our stomach and then out of the body? Right? But the things that come out of the mouth, he says, those things come from the what? Heart. And these are the things. The things out of our heart are what make a man what? Unclean. Sick. For out of our hearts, your heart and mine that's deceitful and beyond cure, our heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. He says, these are what make us sick and unclean, but eating with unwashed hands doesn't make a person unclean. He says it this way in Mark. Right? Mark 7 says, he went on, what comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. From with in, out of men's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envying, slander, arrogance, and folly. All of these evils come from inside or our hearts and make us unclean. Jesus said in Matthew 5, this words, he said, I tell you that anyone who's angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Rocky, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone says, right, anyone who says you fool be in danger of the fire of hell. I obviously gave you the wrong verses there, right? As I'm reading this, I know that that's not right, right? It's Matthew, you're going to keep going to Matthew 27, Matthew 5, 27. I think you've got it through 28 up there. Jesus is speaking and says, heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. Jesus said, I tell you, tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his. Listen, the Bible makes it clear. Your heart, my heart is the boundary maker of our lives. And we need to guard it because every boundary of our life is set by our heart. Every one of them. And listen, if you ever study the brain, 
There's a lot of, lot that people don't know about the brain, obviously. But the brain is an interesting organ because it's in the brain that decisions get made. And the brain is broken down into different parts, right? There's the part of your brain called the neocortex, right? It's the first two layers of the brain. Just This is just a really simple breakdown of it, right? But it's the neocortex that processes thoughts, facts, right? It's the, 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 the part that does all of that stuff, right? It's the part that has the language, right? But there's a part of our brain that doesn't possess language, cannot speak, but it's the part of our brain that processes emotions. It processes will, and it processes decisions. There's a part of our brain that's 100% connected to our boundary maker, right? And it's our, it's our emotional part of our brain, the part that controls emotion and will, right? Is the part that wants to make a decision. It's the neocortex that's got to explain it. That's why some of us have a hard time explaining how we feel because how we feel has no language and our other part of our brain that has language has to interpret what that part of our brain is. Anybody ever struggle with explaining to somebody how you feel? That's the reason why. The part of your brain that has all the feelings doesn't have language. And the part of your brain that has language has to interpret that. Some of you are really, really good at it. Some of you are so good at it, you make people who aren't good at it feel really stupid. Right? Generally, those two people get married and they have a lot of fun over the years. Right? Why don't you just ever tell me how you feel? Right? It's because it's not because I don't feel, it's because I don't have the language to do it. When the other person, all they ever do is tell you how you feel. And you're like, why do you always have to tell me how you feel, right? There's a reason for that, right? There's a reason for that. And the reason for that is that it's our heart, right? It's our heart that has all of that in it. It is the boundary maker, it is the thing that sets the boundaries, makes the decisions. Proverbs says, guard it. And here's the reason why. It's sick. The boundaries it'll want to set are terrible. It's deceptive. It's beyond cure. It's where every evil thing comes from. Every thought of sexual immorality, every thought of adultery, every thought of lust, every thought of, of, of lewdness and envy and jealousy and all of that comes from what? The boundary maker. So that thing needs a boundary of its own. Because if you don't put a boundary on the boundary maker that's sick, it's going to make some really bad decisions. I mean, how many of you would go back to your younger self and say, self, let's have a conversation about setting better boundaries. Anybody? Yeah. And half of those people come in for marriage counseling, right? It's just the way it works. Because the boundary maker is not just the epicenter of where God does his work. It's the epicenter of where almost all of our sickness comes from. Right? It's where all the sickness comes from. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 16. He says, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. And I know that I've given you the wrong verse here. I can tell you that right now, David. It's Matthew 6. So if you can look that up, Matthew 6. So what we're going to find out isn't that the heart isn't just sick. Our heart's also incredibly impressionable, 
right? Our heart is incredibly impressionable. And in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is going to explain how impressionable this heart is, right? He's having a conversation with disciples in the Sermon on the Mount talking about treasures. And he said, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. He goes on to say, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Now listen to this. For where your, where your treasure is, guess what follows? There your will be also. You see, our brain thinks, well, our heart, our heart will determine our treasure. Heart doesn't work that way. Our sick heart that's deceitful and beyond cure, our heart that sets boundaries is also incredibly impressionable. Because if you pick a treasure, your heart's going to go, oh, I want that too. And it's going to follow. And scripture conveys this over and over. Listen to how impressionable your deceptive beyond cure heart is. The place where God wants to work is so stinking impressionable. Listen to these verses. Ecclesiastes 11, 7 through 10 say this. Light, light is sweet and it pleases the eyes to see the sun. However many years a man may live, let him enjoy them all. But let him remember the days of darkness for they will be many. Everything to come is meaningless. Be happy, young man, while you are young, and let your what? Heart give you what? Joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see, but know that for all these things, God will bring man to judgment. So then, he says, banish anxiety from your... You see, anybody's heart here influenced by anxiety? Yeah, our hearts are impressionable. Live your life, young man. Enjoy what you see, but know that God's going to judge it. And however many years you get to live, live them full and enjoy them. But banish anxiety from your heart. Because your heart is going to be impressionable. Anxiety can riddle your heart to death. Right? Your heart's so silly, it'll follow your treasure. It's not even smart enough to set a boundary and go, oh, that's a bad treasure. We're not going there. No, where you pick your treasure, your heart's going to go, fine, we'll put the boundary out there. Your heart is impressionable to anxiety. How about this passage in Proverbs 13, 12? The writer says, hope deferred, hope deferred makes the heart, your heart is impressionable to be sick and anxious and evil, right? The Bible goes on to say this in Proverbs 12, 25, it says this. An anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. Again, our heart is impressionable. How about Psalm 27, 3? Throw an army, besiege me. An army, besiege me. My heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. Not only is your heart impressionable, it's possible for you to guard it in a way that even an army besieging you will not cause you to be afraid. It's impressionable, it can be guarded, Right? It can be guarded. How about this one? Psalm 19, 8 says the precepts of the Lord are right. And those precepts give joy to the heart. Everybody, everybody understand this? Your heart is the epicenter where God wants to do his work. Somebody say amen. And the reason why that is so imperative, it is your heart that sets every boundary of your life. Somebody say amen to that. But it's your heart The thing that sets boundaries that the Bible says is evil and deceptive and beyond cure and unbelievably impressionable. Everybody tracking with that? 
That's, that's the dilemma that we face in growing when we talk about growing in our relationship with the Lord. And listen to this transitional verse in 1 Samuel 16, 7. Here's the good news. The Lord said to Samuel, so Samuel has told Saul, you can't be king anymore. You violated the law of God, you're out. Now David has been, or Samuel has been tasked with picking a new king. He's been told what family to go to. He goes to this family and he sees all these older brothers, impressive, big men, full of statue. They, their statute is big and impressionable. And Samuel, Samuel keeps thinking, these are the ones I want, right? Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height for I have rejected them. He goes on to say, the Lord doesn't look at the things that man looks at. We tend to look at the shell, the pot, the container. That's the thing we pay attention to, right? And I know it's true because I've lost 40 pounds in the last how many months. And I can tell you this, it pales in comparison to the changes I've made internally. But what people want to say is, oh my God, you've lost a lot of weight. Are you okay? Right? You want to know why? Because man looks at outward appearance. Right? And by the way, thank you for the compliments. I appreciate it. Okay? But we focus on that. Right? But the Lord looks at the... So the epicenter of where he wants to grow, the place that sets every boundary, the place that is deceptive and beyond cure, the place that is so impressionable to just about anything in the world, it's that thing that God looks at. Now I want you to just ponder that for a second. Consider the depths of deception and evil in your heart. Consider the soil in which God wants to grow you in relationship to Jesus, to his presence in your life. And ask yourself, is it any wonder, is it any wonder why it's such a hard fight? Because listen, you don't even know your heart. Because the Bible says your heart and my heart is deceptive, deceptive. Right? It's full of deceit. Who can know it? You can't even know your own heart. It's so wicked and deceptive, it'll deceive you. It'll tell you something's good when it knows good and well it's bad. That's the way it is. And here's the thing I want you to know. God knows what's in every person's heart in this room. And every person watching online, God has examined and searched your heart and mine. Now listen, that could cause you to be afraid, anxious, or it could cause you to be grateful. Because in spite of what God knows about you and me, if you know Jesus, he continues to make his home in you and in me. So not only is it the epicenter of growth and the epicenter of sickness, it's also the epicenter of decision. It's the epicenter of decision, right? Bring that slide back up. Bring that slide up, David, right? It's the epicenter of our decision. Because here's the reality, as impressionable as it is, and as evil as it is, you still can make a decision there. The brain says so. The brain says that you're wired by God in your brain not to make decisions in the neocortex. You're able to process information. You're able to process facts. You're able to speak a language there, right? But you won't make a decision without the part of the brain that is connected to your emotions and will. You can make decisions from from the epicenter of growth and sickness. 
And so what does scripture tell us about making those decisions? Listen to this. Psalm 13, 5 and 6 says this. I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord for he has been good to me. Let's start there. Maybe some of you online, maybe somebody in here doesn't know Jesus. You've never experienced the salvation that God offers you in your heart. If that's where, if that's where this needs to start for you in here online, then that's what we need to do. So if you're in here today and you need to start with that decision, there will be people up front that will want to have that conversation with you about how to experience the salvation of God in your heart. If you're online, there's a button that says, I have decided. You can push that button. It'll take you to a form. Quick fill it out. And Pastor John and his team will be in contact with you. But that's how this starts. Your heart is the epicenter of God's work. It is also the epicenter of every sickness and evil man possesses. But it is the epicenter of decision making. You still can make a decision in that heart. And the first decision is to experience the joy of God's salvation in your heart. Now, if you're in here today and you're online and here to watch them today and you know Jesus and have experienced that salvation in your heart, say amen. amen. Say amen. amen. Right? Scripture says this to us. Listen to Psalm 51. Let me just read a few verses to you. Create in me a pure, clean heart. Oh God, renew a steadfast spirit within me. Matthew 5, 8 says, blessed are the pure in heart because they're going to what? They're going to get to see God. How about Psalm 119 verses 2 and 10? Blessed are they who keep his statutes and seek him with all their what? With all their heart. The next verse in 10 says, I seek you with all of my heart. Do let Do not let me stray from your commands. Listen, if God's going to grow you, if your heart, the soil, right, the host of his seed is going to grow. And it's also the epicenter of every sickness and evil you possess. You're going to have to make a decision. And once you've made the decision to experience the joy of the salvation, your experience now is to have a clean and pure heart. And how do you do it? The Bible makes it clear you have a clean heart by putting God's word in your heart. His word I will hide in my heart that I might not sin against him. Your word is a light unto my path, a lamp unto my feet, right? Listen, part of the reason why your boundary maker that's full of sickness and deceit and evil is still making stupid decisions that you're living in is because your heart, the decision maker, is not being given God's word enough. There's only one way to have a clean heart. There's only one way for this decision maker to even be useful to God. It's because God cleans it with the word of truth. It's his word. And I'm not asking, listen, I'm not telling you that you need to go listen to a bunch of preachers. I'm telling you to read God's word. Read it. I'm not talking about one verse a day where everybody's like, oh, listen, just start right here. That one verse will do just fine. No, I'm talking about reading it. Sit down and put in 30 minutes and read it. And you may not understand 99% of it, but I can tell you this, you'll understand 1% of it. It'll be the only percent that God cares about you knowing in that moment. And if you do that every day... It won't take very long for 1% become 2%, 2% to become 5%, and 5% to come 10. Well, I'm just telling you, it's the way God works. If God's going to grow you, he's going to work in your heart. How is he going to do it if your heart is so sick and so deceitful and so beyond cure that adultery and lust and fornication and lewdness and deceit and greed and envy come from it, and yet it's your decision maker and you're not giving God any space in it? 
And coming to church does not give God space in your heart. Sitting down and letting God's word penetrate your mind so it can connect to your heart gives God space in your heart. Somebody say amen. Listen, you cannot... I cannot and you cannot. Listen, I am a preacher who went to Bible college. The biggest failure of preachers and Bible college students is they do not read God's word. It happens all the time. We get so caught up in the in the aroma and the environment of what we're doing. This loses its place. This is the heartbeat of everything we do. If I read more leadership books than I read this, I am a huge failure. This is the epicenter of my decision making. Which means I've got to give it something else besides my sickness. My back, listen, some of you know me some, few of you know me well, but I'll just tell you my decision maker, my boundary maker, it's broken. There's only one reason I weighed 290 pounds. It wasn't because I felt good. It's because my heart said, let's eat Twinkies at two. <laughs> Domino's delivers to one. Your wife's asleep. You can dispose of the Domino's box at the trash dump before she gets up. She'll never even know. That's how dumb my boundary maker is. Right? And here's the thing. If you don't let your boundary maker ever, ever get infected by the word of God, you won't be clean. And here's what the Bible says. It's the pure in heart, the clean in heart to get to see God. That's how we get connected to him. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. How do we get there? Oh God, remove the evil from my heart. Come on. That evil ain't going nowhere. You're going to live and die with that. You want to know how God gives you a clean heart? He puts some bleach in there. Right? He puts the word of God in there. That's why the Bible says in Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing from soul and spirit, joint and marrow. Right? And it lays bare the intent of our heart. You want to get a better heart? Man, let the the word of God do its thing. And if you don't understand 95% of it, who cares? Read until you understand something. Right? But don't think one word in the Jesus Calling devotional is enough on a daily basis. It's not. Right? And I'm not trying to be offensive to those that, th- those of you that are doing it. But let's be honest. It's not enough. This is not enough. Listen. I want to read Hebrews 3.12 says this. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful and an unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. <clears throat> Joel 2.13, the writer of Joel says, Rend your heart and not your garment. Return to the Lord, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Here's what I know. Some of you, your hearts, they're just evil. And they haven't been clean. And you have wandered away. Not from church. It's easy to go to church sometimes. And it's a lot of fun to go on Wednesday night when there's no rules. Woo woo, right? Do whatever we want, right? It's enjoyable. It's a lot harder. It's a lot harder to get this thing right. The psalmist says, listen, rend your heart. Be repentant. Right? Don't focus on rending your garment. God doesn't care about that. God doesn't care about that tear. God doesn't care about that outward act of 
contrition. What God cares about is a broken and contrite heart. Those he will not despise. So for some of you, this isn't about believing Jesus for the first time. This isn't about putting the word of God in your life. This is about repenting. It's about saying, I've let my dirty, deceitful, beyond cure heart make some really dumb decisions. And I have not, I have not let it be good soil. This is time to repent of that. And here's how Joshua, Joshua speaks to the Israelites as he's getting ready to leave after bringing these people into the promised land. You talk about people with stubborn, stubborn hearts. And in Joshua 24, he is making a plea to the nation of Israel. A nation that is already in its, in its infancy as a nation struggled to trust in God in spite of what they've seen, heard, and known. And in Joshua 24, verse 19, Joshua says this to the people. He said, you're not able to serve the Lord. He's a holy God. He's a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and sins. He says, if you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, he will turn and God will bring disaster on you and make an end of you as a nation after he has been so good to you. But the people said to Joshua, they heard what Joshua said. You'll never be able to do it. And they said, no, we will serve the Lord. And Joshua said, your witnesses, your witnesses against yourselves that you've chosen to serve the Lord. And he said, and they said, yes. We will witness and testify to what we said. And Joshua says, now then, throw away your foreign God and all those things among you and yield your hearts to the Lord. And the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God and we will obey him. Listen, when this comes to the irreducible minimum, that's what this is about. Either we choose in this epicenter of growth that is the epicenter of our sickness to let it be the epicenter of our decision that says no matter what, we will serve the Lord and we will obey his commandments. If you don't, listen, rend your hearts and not your garments because God is a compassionate God, slow to anger, always willing to forgive, right? But know this, no matter how much you love Jesus, God's desire is going to put his hands in that pot and he is going to turn that soil over because he's constantly looking for a place for more growth. Let this be the place that makes the decision the Israelites made that day. Today, we will serve the Lord. Amen, church? So, Father, today, would you, would you hear our... Testimony as a witness to our desire to let this place be a place where you do your work. There's nobody in here, nobody watching online that thinks this is easy. It's invasive. It's personal. It's hard to give up the desires of our hearts sometimes. But you tell us if we trust in you, if we trust in you, if we put our faith and our hope in you, if we allow you to create in us a clean heart, if we allow you to search my heart, that you will grant us then the desires of our heart. Because you'll make that epicenter, that epicenter of every boundary of life healthy enough to enjoy the fruits of a plant that's good and healthy, growing and productive. 
So, Father, would you help us to turn our hearts towards you each and every day. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, church. We'll see you next Wednesday.